all sorts of things that you know when you leave a particular branch it just comes forward for example after two years you're going to have a car you're going to have a very beautiful job but in medicine you're going to start from the base route and you're going to go up to five years and then we don't even know whether you'll be able to complete it I think the negative point would be the work-life balance, I would say. The enormous number of hours that you work through without sleeping, constantly working, juggling your life, your work is horrendous. In the top three rank out of 180 students that we were in a batch to ensure that I keep my scholarship every year. That was something which I feel is very close to my heart, which I did. But there were failures in between it and a lot of people are unaware of it. Certainty is just the enemy of your growth. And nothing is for sure certain until unless it has happened. And I feel it is still debatable. Even if it has happened, you cannot be certain that it has actually happened. That's a very good question. So he was a physics professor. So he had got that modern outlook that engineering is not the end of the world. You know, the quota system that works in India is pretty difficult. This is something which I definitely want to try so that I don't regret for the rest of my life that I didn't even give it a chance to try. What exactly is this video podcast about, you might ask? As the saying goes, no two journeys are the same. With that thought, I present to you Mapped Out with Monisha. In the very first season, we will be chatting with some very exciting guests from various professional backgrounds who made the difficult decision of moving away from their homeland. We shall be navigating through various chapters of their lives and discuss in depth about why they decided to relocate, their victories, failures, roadblocks, life outside of being a full-time working professional, what their future plans are, and in true Bollywood style, a surprise rapid fire towards the end of the episode. With some life experience of moving outside of my native country, I'm your host, Dr. Monisha Mishra, an international medical graduate from India, currently pursuing psychiatry residency in London. This podcast was created to have a safe space to figure out who we are, what we want to be, and most importantly, where do we see ourselves pursuing these dreams. So sit back and relax, grab a cuppa, and enjoy this spirited ride of moving countries one guest at a time. In today's episode, we have with us Dr. Sean Gaurav. He's a medical graduate from India who aspired to be a surgeon when he was very young. And he recently matched into surgery residency in the UK, which he will be starting in a few days' time. What many of us do not know about Sean is that he was initially pursuing engineering and would have gone on to become an engineer working for maybe Google or Facebook one day. In this episode, we talk about his brave decision to switch careers in a rigid Indian society, his one true undeterred passion for medicine, the very wise advice given to him by his engineering professor, and of course, the challenges of being a first-generation immigrant. Sean talks about mapping out his move from one continent to another. We discuss in detail his setbacks, his victories, how the pandemic put a pause on his pathway, application process for surgery training in the UK, his interests outside of his 9-to-5 job, what's next in store for him, and he very fondly talks about his first of his many brainchilds, Plab Nation, which he then sold to the very famous Plabable. Hi, 
Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mapped Out with Monisha. Today we've got the ever so amazing Dr. Sean Gaurav. For those of you who do not know him, Sean is a medical graduate born and raised in India. He aspires to be a surgeon and has recently matched into surgery residency starting in August 2022. Pluviophile by nature, he describes himself as a traveler, enthusiast and a person with vision to implement change. Welcome to today's episode, Sean. Thanks Monisha, thank you for having me here. I've been actually waiting for so long to reach out to you because I haven't yet come across someone who's an IMG and is pursuing surgery. So the moment I came across your Instagram page, I was so excited and I just knew that I had to reach out to you for this episode. So thank you for making the time. No, it's uh, it's my pleasure to be here actually, honestly. But it's pretty strange that you have never come across an IMG into surgical training. Yeah, I don't know how and why. And I don't know if surgery IMGs are quite rare to find or they're so busy that I haven't seen anyone on social media. I don't know what it is. I think there are quite a few lot of people that I know who are from IMGs, not only from India, but from various other countries who have matched into uh, co-surgical training or ST3 training. So yeah, there are quite a few, but maybe that you have just not come across them. Yeah, maybe it's me. I'm going to put the blame on me. But before we go into surgical training and everything else surrounding that, something that really pleasantly surprised me about your journey is that you are actually pursuing engineering. You were going to become an engineer and then you made the switch to pursue MBBS to become a doctor. How and why did that switch happen? So it was like back in 2010, I had actually both maths and biology as my subject in 12th standard. Although I always wanted to pursue medicine and I really wanted to get into army, the AFMC college, which is there in India. Due to that, I tried twice and I could not because of a defect in the eye that I sustained. It was during my 12th while I was playing a state level cricket and the ball hit me and now my pupil doesn't constrict. This is one of those facts and because of which I was unable to get into medical training at that point of time. So I had to choose something I could not just leave so while I joined engineering in the first place for two years I continued giving again AFMC twice to see if they would you know still make an exception or they would do something regarding it uh, but unfortunately it didn't happen that way and then I just decided that I just need to leave engineering and just try to do what I want to do in future nothing bad against engineering it's a beautiful branch I would say and if I was in engineering or still doing engineering, I would have definitely aimed to go into Google, Facebook, you know, something like brand stuff. But I guess engineering is just one of those jobs, either you love it or you completely hate it. And medicine is something very close to me. It has got a very background about my grandmother from where I inspired to become a doctor and a very famous uh, surgeon actually in Orissa, a neurology surgeon, um, Sanathan Rath. He's no more with us, but he's one of my inspiration who actually looked after my grandmother. Just being a doctor is something really amazing, you know, being a provider, caring for other people, teaching, service, a thorough learning again and again. You never stop learning. And I think this is something which I would enjoy rather than sitting in a cubicle and doing the same gig again and again and again. decided to pursue MBBS outside of India, which had a very interesting layout, wherein a part of it was in Beijing and the rest of it, the research side of it was in India. So how and why did you make the decision to move out of India to pursue MBBS? So 
I just did not want to waste a lot of time in India, just looking to go into what I was very stubborn about AFMC. Also, the other medical colleges that I got into were private, and I did not want to pay such a large amount sum of money to get into those private medical colleges. So I just thought that it's anywhere it's going to be me, whether I study in India or abroad, it's going to be me who's going to study medicine. So it's not going to make a difference if I'm committed enough wherever I study. So I chose, which is which was very, you know, very near to my place where I can come back and see my grandparents, where I can come back and see my sister and I don't have to be very far away from them. And also something regarding the tropical medicine in China is something similar to India rather than going to European countries, which is like completely different, like PLAB is completely different, UK system is completely different. They hardly ask questions on TV, but we read TV like every single day and we see TV every single day. So given that that aspect as well I chose that China would be a better factor I think it was one of those things where I was earlier trying to go into Germany and my grandfather actually spoke me out of it because he said are you going to Germany to work or you're going to Germany to study and then decide what you're gonna do so then I switched over from Germany then I was like fine I, I researched a lot and then I was like fine doesn't matter I'm gonna go to China and then I'm gonna see where I can look into and um, move out from there abroad anywhere else I'm just going to take a few steps back. I remember you saying that you was quite stubborn to basically pursue MBBS in AFMC. Where did that stubbornness come from and why did you just want to get into AFMC and no other medical college? I think serving the army was something which I was uh, looking forward to from a very young age. One of my uncles was an army major and uh, his personality and the way he always dresses, dressed himself actually attracted me the most. The service that you give to a country without looking backwards and without thinking about yourself first. Of course, the doctors also do the same thing. But being at the forefront, being a doctor and doing both the service together is something which I always wanted to do. Still speak this to my friends regarding that if I get an opportunity, maybe I'll join some other army rather than continuing myself completely into medicine. But let's see where the future takes. Now, going to your MBBS in Beijing, you said that a part of it was also wherein you did your research side of it in India. So what did yes. that kind of involve? What sort of research were you involved in while you were pursuing MBBS? Because this is such an interesting, I mean, for the lack of better word, concept or a, like a good combination to have where you're doing MBBS yeah. and you're also getting an opportunity to do research, which we don't get so much back home in India. Like I did not know what research or audits or things were when I was doing MBBS in India. That's something I only got to know when I was pursuing my internship probably. So tell us more about that. So it all started when I met one of my professors in India and Dr. Harry, and he was the one who actually pushed me into a lot of various aspects of thorough reading, understanding the concepts much more better than what you just read in one textbook, going out of the box and exploring the subject more. And he was the one who actually pushed me into research. While we were in China, we did publish a completely new journal from the society that we were, that I formed with the help of Dr. Hari. That journal had a quite a lot of articles into it, from which one of the articles I took and I spoke with one of the genetics teacher there. And she was like, we have actually have a student exchange program with one of the uh, medical colleges in India. So why don't you do one thing? 
you propose this and I'm going to ask the fraternity about the if they are able to fund you regarding this research project and the doctors who are readily available in India and if they are ready to help you with this project. So it just started with this way and I was very interested in epigenetics at that time. So proposed that was sent over to India and they accepted it. When I came back to India and when I was working in the hospital, at that moment of time, I was also wor working in the epigenetic sector. So as a research. Post your MBBS, you decided to again move out of India and yeah. uh, move to the UK. We'll get to the part why UK, but why again did you decide to move out of India post your MBBS and why did you not pursue your PG in India? I did give one attempt in PG. The one of the fail sake of uh, not giving the second attempt was I wasn't really prepared because I was juggling between research and I was also juggling between my work. Mm -hmm. So I just gave the examination for the sake purpose of giving it but I still got 590 marks which was equivalent at that time I think 16,000 rank but since I had my MBBS degree from abroad I did not had any state quota I did not had any quota so I was only in general quota I was in general you know the quota system that works in India is pretty difficult so I did not had any state quota as such when I saw people 25,000 getting Ramaya Medical College in Bangalore general surgery I was frustrated to hell I was like this is something some system that I cannot overcome ever so I don't want to still keep spending my years because I've already lost two years in engineering and I didn't want to keep pursuing something which I know might not be possible in India So now Sean is looking on the outside and you've got like USA, you've got Canada, you've got Europe, you've got Australia, Middle East, UK. So why did you decide to move to the UK out of all the available options? Actually, it's pretty interesting. I never wanted to come to UK. Okay, wow. All right. <laughs> So it happened that um, the research actually started because I wanted to go to US and I knew that US would require research projects so that you can match into a better residency program like general surgery or other surgery branches. So that's how it started actually. When after I felt that it requires a lot of funding before you even enter into your residency and I just did not want to have that backup from home and I wanted to be self-sufficient at that time, I thought this is one pathway that I can take, get into my know that I can have some balance and if I still want to pursue further to the US I still have my balance so that I can go forward so I didn't want to put any pressure on my parents because moving from engineering after two years was a very difficult time at home yeah like it was a very difficult time and um, I had to give them very good reason why I had to leave engineering because although I was preparing for medicine at that time for the entrance examination I still scored the first highest in computer science engineering so they were like even after you are not paying much attention and you're still getting the highest CGPA what is the purpose of moving and leaving engineering all sorts of things that you know when you leave a particular branch it just comes forward for example after two years you're going to have a car you're going to have a very beautiful job but in medicine you're going to start from the base route and you're going to go up to five years and then we don't even know whether you'll be able to complete it and all sorts of stigma attached to it but then I still felt that what the worst that could happen I would do this and I will fail in a few years and at the end I'll have to go back and get a job anyway so have I really lost anything and I was like no I could anyways get a job back going back but this is something which I definitely want to try so that I don't regret for the rest of my life that I didn't even give it a chance to try that's a good argument to have actually and a very wise decision but it does take a lot of courage especially if you're doing so well in the option b part of it I know. 
Yeah. Right? It must be a tough choice, and to have this conversation not just with family but with yourself, and to sort of convince yourself that must that that must have been definitely so hard to go through. It it was honestly, family did support at the very end, and it was my grandparents who really supported me. But it was my professor in college who supported me a lot. So he was a physics professor, and he had done his all his studies from France. So he had got that modern outlook that engineering is not the end of the world, medicine is not the end of the world. You can just pursue whatever you want to. Since he was from France, he was very much into arts. So he always used to draw in the class. He had got a very good handwriting, very mesmerizing character, I would say. So he he supported me a lot. Even though I never used to go to practical, he always used to give me marks. He always used to give me attendance. So he supported me a lot in this gig. At the end of two years, when I was actually living engineering, he was the one who told me that, "Do not worry, I'm going to see you in France someday." He always had that, you know. He always had my back. He always had that confidence that if I really want to do it, I'll, I'll get it done. That gave me a lot of courage to move from engineering and then, you know, give a phone call out of a blue to my father saying that, "Okay, I want to stop doing engineering and I'm going to move into medicine." Of course, it's you know the heated arguments and stuff. but here i am but that's so much faith to have you know in your student as a professor and also that's some sort of confidence you need you always need that one person who is without yeah. a doubt is going to support you no matter what decision you make so yeah that's amazing So Sean you've now decided to move out of India and you've made the decision to move to UK and then there are so many pathways to get into the system as a doctor in the UK it's not like yeah. USA where it's just one exam you assembly and you match and you start your residency it can be so overwhelming and complicated especially when you make the decision to move to the UK i still don't know so many of the pathways when people ask me questions so how did you set your mind to pursue plap pathway out of all the options see since I had already prepared for USMLE and I thought that PLAB would be an easy pathway to go through because the first path is an MCQ test which I knew wasn't that difficult in comparison to USMLE and the second part was an OSCE examination which in my college we had done OSCE examinations before so we had seen mannequins before we had performed CPRs on mannequins so I knew that it's not going to be very much difficult but of course I just needed to get myself oriented to how NHS works and I think that would be it I thought given the timeline if I had to pursue MRCS it would have gone for a very long period of time and again the funds would have again mattered so i was like let's stick to plap easy two pathways not much of uh, financial issues get it done and then you can be starting to earn very quickly I remember you said that you were contemplating on pursuing surgery when you were giving all India PG, and you were upset that someone who scored so and so rank was being offered a surgery training or surgery residency or PG in India while you weren't. So there was a thought of surgery as a specialty, as a long-term yes. career in your mind. So when did that thought come into, and when did you decide you wanted to pursue surgery training in the UK? Right from the very beginning. Like as I said, I drew my inspiration from the very famous. Was Dr. Sanatan Rath, who was a neurosurgeon based in Orissa. I don't really know exactly what my grandmother had because at a very young age she had some issues. The only thing that I can recall is that she had some nerve compression and her fingers were actually not working. The motor function of the fingers had actually lost. She went to all the big hospitals in India, 
Ames, CMC, Velo, Chandigarh, Apollo, and all of the hospitals, everybody said that she would require surgery in order to treat it. And the mortality rate of that was more than 75 to 80%. So we decided against it. Finally, somebody recommended that why don't you go and see Sanathan Rath. He's known to cure people, which other doctors are generally not able to cure, or they find different methods of curing people. So they went to Sanathan Rath, and he was one of the surgeons, the only surgeon, I would say, who said that no requirement of surgery. These are the few medications that you got to take, and then I'm going to see you in three months of time. So as the saying goes, right, the best surgeons are the one who treat the patients without incising the skin. So if you don't have to do the, perform the surgery and you treat the patient, those are the best surgeons. That was the inspiration that I, you know, I actually drew from him that if you can treat a patient without giving a surgery with a mortality of more than 75 to 80%, then why not to take that route? So I always knew that I always wanted to become a surgeon. At that moment of time, I always wanted to become a neurosurgeon uh, so that I can treat somewhere some people who are similar to my grandma suffering from similar issues rather than operating and giving a mortality rate to the family of 75 to 80 percent and starting with a treatment which is less invasive and then going forward from there which i think is quite lost in india they start with invasive thing first and then they think about going back to medicine uh, this is what i've seen and not saying all the doctors or all the hospitals perform this but a lot of people they still do this fashion um yeah and that's where the inspiration came from so i in the, from the very beginning i knew the moment i entered medicine i knew that i'm gonna be a surgeon never thought otherwise it's quite an inspiring story and it it's like a little emotional chord in my heart because i am from orissa so when i hear someone talking so fondly and so nicely of people there so i just feel like we you know they're talking about my people so that felt yes, really nice thank you for um, sharing that story i would have never forgotten dr sanathan rath can never forget he has got stories attached to it you know people bringing the limbs to him and he attaching it after three four hours usually time is between one to two hours because until unless you keep it in a box of ice cubes or for the transportation purpose the patient himself brought the limb the severed limb wow. back to him in the clinic and he did manage to get it back in full function it was pretty famous it was pretty famous in those days 90s i would say 80s 90s time Something else that people aren't very much aware of is that every specialty in the UK has a very different pathway in terms of how you apply for it, the application process, the exams and the portfolios and bits and pieces like that. There might be some similarities, but they are quite contrastingly different. I have zero idea. I'm going to be very honest about how you pursue surgical training, what the application process is. And that is one of the reasons why I never made a video about it, because I think I'm the wrong person to be talking about. It. and today i've got the right person to talk about it and that's one of the reasons why i approached you so sean <laughs> the stage is yours tell people about what the application process is like what are the steps that go into it um and how you applied for it and everything surrounding that the application to the surgical process is fairly simple and straightforward. So you start by creating an account on Oriel, go through the job profile, download the self-assessment form and see what all criteria do you have the evidence for. Apply and score yourself, apply and upload all the evidences, then just look into it. But yes, the surgical process is a bit daunting because a lot of things which back home we never even have heard of. We would have not collected evidence of anything at all. We never knew that evidence is so much important in life. And these are some of the very important factors that we miss out as an IMG. But I think I had interviewed with Dr. Raja Adnan, mm -hmm. I think a month back. So I've given a fairly good 
opportunity to understand some simple and basic steps how to go about it and i think that would be a very interesting video i think i'll leave a link down below of that video to watch so we don't go too much into it if you've already talked about it so everyone can go and watch that video down below there is a very silly question something uh, i get asked quite a lot which is okay. something i also don't know much about which is what is the difference between mrcs and frcs that's a very good question mrcs is how should I break it? So MRCS is just a, being a membership of the Royal College of Surgeons, but FRCS is before you become a consultant. Like before you attain a CCT, you have to go for a fellowship and you have to get a FRCS before you can go into a fellowship. That's like the final ending part of your uh, career pathway. So while you're doing your STH training in surgery, you have to go through FRCS, get done with it, start doing your fellowship, and then possibly attain a consultant position somewhere in the country. So how long is the core surgical training for? Two years. Two years. And then you do higher training. For six years. For six years. And then so you would have done your MRCS all parts in those years. You know, if you have to move forward from CT2 to ST3, you have to clear both parts of MRCS in between those two years, which is a prerequisite for an ST3 training. Right. Okay. So it's something similar in like psychiatry. We have CT1, 2, 3, and we need to clear our three parts of MRC psych, which is a prerequisite for applying for higher training. You do that in surgery as well, where you have, you have to clear your two parts of MRCS before you apply. But then to come out of your high training you said wherein you have to do the frcs frcs yes so something that we normally talk on this channel and a lot on my instagram page is normalizing failures in life and you know talking about challenges and things that might not have gone to plan did you have any challenges or did you have any roadblocks in your journey or were there any people who sort of did not support and try to clear you stir from the journey you were pursuing of say moving out of india uh, there's a huge list of things that i've gone through okay. you know Starting from leaving engineering, there was a roadblock. Didn't really knew what has to be done, where you have to go, where the future is going to lead you to, whether you'll be able to clear the five years of MBBS. It was all uncertainty. But then I realized that certainty is just the enemy of your growth and nothing is for sure certain until unless it has happened. And I feel it is still debatable. Even if it has happened, you cannot be certain that it has actually happened. So it's still debatable from my side. So I felt felt um, it's fine there are roadblocks but you need to steer your way through it somehow so that was first roadblock through my career and then when I entered medicine I was a scholarship holder every year so I had to make sure that I come in the top three rank out of 180 students that we were in a batch to ensure that I keep my scholarship every year I had to actually grace through a lot of stuffs in order to make sure that I keep my position so that I get scholarship every year that was something which I feel is very close to my heart which I did but there were failures in between it and a lot of people are unaware of it so when you are abroad it's not only medicine that counts but 25% of it also counts that how you do generally behave in your regular routine or how is your normal everyday routine for the entire year that 25% is completely in the hands of the professors there was a professor where I had an argument with him on some discussion in the class and he made sure that he gives me 
the least number of marks on those 25% to ensure that I may not get the scholarship back. So I was pretty scared and you know, that point of time, because as I said, I really wanted to be independent at that moment. And I really did not want it to have or provide any burden to my family with respect to finances and other things. That was something which I felt was a roadblock. In terms of failures, I haven't failed any examinations per se, but I did fail my own expectations at times, lost my mind over a lot of things. The most important part of it was when I had to write my OSCE examination for graduation, they just did not allow me to write. Why? So I was someone who was teaching juniors all the OSCE tests. So they were of the opinion that I already know the question papers for the examination, which I did not. I think they thought that the juniors are practicing the same scenarios which we were supposed to do on our graduation ceremony day. It was not actually that. So I had to go to the dean of the college to explain her the scenario. I was like, you put me up to teach the students. It was not me who wanted really to teach the students. And I'm pretty sure that if you ask the coordinator of the OSCE examination, they would also tell you that there is nothing similar which is coming through. And yeah, finally I did was able to manage. Wow, so there have been quite a few serious challenges that you've had to overcome. I think, yeah, it keeps coming every, every single year. Yeah. Problems, I think, is inevitable, but the meaning of each problem is not. So you always gain from all your problems. You gain all from your roadblocks. One of the, again, a major roadblock was PLAB2 scenario, where we came to give PLAB2 and we got stuck over the pandemic. While we were stuck over the pandemic, it was an uncertainty what, when the examination is going to happen there were some rumors about changing of the pattern which we were not prepared for but yeah eventually that happened as well so were you stuck throughout the first wave here in the uk oh my goodness i wasn't aware of that and and how did you manage where about did you put up and how did you get through it then in the uk at that moment of time i think there were more than 150 people from around the globe who were stuck in the uk who just could not go back to their home countries so bobby organization was the one who kind of liaised with us liaised with gmc and were very very good in terms of providing us the seats as the first opportunity available for plat 2 they have been tremendously available for us every single time they used to conduct webinar sessions so that the morale of the students don't go down we are away from family there were issues with fundings they in fact they funded half of the accommodation for a lot of people in manchester couldn't thank them enough actually to be honest at that moment of time they were the only support which all the candidates had irrespective although they are from the you know indian origin the organization is an indian origin but they went out and to help everybody it doesn't matter from which country background they are from just commendable i would say that's very nice to have someone at least to look out for you i kind of take away from this entire conversation this one phrase that you said that certainty is the enemy of growth but this sort of uncertainty is something is quite a lot to deal with during the first phase of pandemic say for example you did not move out of india post your mm -hmm. mbbs and you went on to pursue your pg in india what do you think you wouldn't have been able to accomplish or what would have been different if you stayed back so the situation is that I've already got into a surgical training in India okay. or have I not yet? Um, interesting. Say you have gotten through, let's be positive. You've gotten through surgical training in India and now you know you've gotten through here, you've worked here for a few years. What do you think if you would have pursued the pathway there, mm -hmm. would you have not been able to accomplish 
or what would have been the positives or negatives of being over there to compare to having made the move here? I think the positive would be a short training period, which is like three years and you are done with your surgical training, like the general surgical training, of course, uh, not the speciality training. I think the negative point would be the work-life balance, I would say. The enormous number of hours that you work through without sleeping, constantly working, juggling your life, your work is horrendous. I don't think so I would be able to do that. We've talked about all the serious stuff, training and everything. Now we're going on to move to the fun bits now. What do you usually enjoy doing in your free time? Whenever you have your weekends to yourself or your days off, post your own calls. What does Sean enjoy doing in his free time? I love reading books. And you can see tons of textbooks here. <laughs> Apart from that, I do have small hustle that I do with the name of PLAB to NHS. That's like a journey from PLAB to the NHS and how do you go about it. I make sure that I keep uploading few things over there, make sure that I maintain the website, write few blogs over there, make sure uh, to put some videos on YouTube, come up with some new ideas, pitch up to people. Like I'm trying to reel in Dr. Raja Adhanan here with one of the projects that I had pitched him long back, but due to core surgical training and its commitments, I had stopped in midway. But I'm going to continue from next month, actually entering into training. And then I know that I, I would have some time for myself. You, you asked me one question, going back to your previous question, that how did I manage while I was in the pandemic? So I had a company, I made up a company at that moment of time. So I started teaching free sessions to PLAB1 candidates. And in one of those sessions, where because at that time I think only 100 people could join you so it was full on full session 100 people joined it was a cardiology session that I was taking and at the end of the session a lot of people told me that why don't you take other subjects as well I was like I'm just doing it for fun keep myself motivated rather than starting to get all of them they're like it's fine we can all pay you a small sum of money and you can just do all of this together so at that moment of time I did not really think about it a few days later I thought that I have to minus, uh, manage my finances myself did not come over over here with a lot of finances thinking that i'm gonna spend here for five six months with the rent which is very high in manchester not much more than london but it's still very high for one room i think we used to pay 540 pounds in a six bedroom apartment i had to manage those finances so i told the entire cohort people that what i'm gonna do is to i'm gonna make some mocks for you guys and you can pay me only for the mocks so i did make some mocks but there were still few people who were quite asking me to make sure that i do teach them few of the sessions over video like a normal webinar so I told, fine, I would do that. So I did that. And then I had an entire thought for an entire month where I took those sessions for 19, 20 subjects, the most important subjects that PLAB1 entails. And then I thought, why not to make it a little bigger? So I formed a small, won't say a company, but a small handle called PLAB Nation at that time. Started posting questions. People got aware of it. Then gave a free mock where 370 odd people attended the mock just before the examination. So it was growing in momentum, but due to personal circumstances, I had to sell that company to Plabable. Took over that company, Plab Nation, and currently I'm affiliated with them, taking their webinars on their platform. Oh, wow. Interesting. So this has been quite a steep learning curve about you and your entire journey. And this is so inspiring for me to hear because, I mean, I am not as big as you are in terms of helping out people, but in whatever little possible way I can. So this is so inspiring for me to hear that you've been doing so much and I had zero ideas. So I feel like a fangirl right now meeting you because the moment you said flammable I'm like oh my goodness
you spoke about you have a few projects that you're planning obviously yeah. um you're going to start co-surgical training in august which is going to be a full-on full-time job in itself other than those bits what's next for you in terms of do you have any like set goals or any ideas or things that you want to pursue whether at work or outside of work i want to learn something really crazy inspired by my colleague from engineering his name is akash he's a traveler enthusiast he's an influencer he goes by the name wander with sky on instagram and he recently went to portugal for to get some skydiving lessons which has been on my bucket list since a long time not skydiving with the trainer but an individual skydiving so this is something which i am really fascinated about it might not happen this year it might not happen next year but one year for sure but this is definitely in my bucket list which i really want to cut this off i hope that works out and i hope i see you know the outcome of it on your social media page yeah fingers crossed This is the last of all the questions before we move on to the actual fun bit. I keep saying that, but yeah, I promise this is the last one. Having had this long chat, the million dollar question, which is mapping out the move of moving out of your home country. Is it all worth it? I would say yes, it's all worth it at the end. Because at the end of the day, when I'm just lying down, looking at my own journey, I cannot tell about everyone else because circumstances are different for everyone. For some people, it might not be good enough. For some people, it will be be okay and some for some people it will be very good for me i would say if i just sit back relax with a cup of tea in my hand or a coffee and i look back through the challenges that i've come through and imagining myself 10 years ahead of it in the uk i would say it's all worth it so sean we finished all the serious bits of it in true Bollywood style, because I'm a big Bollywood fan. So I've got like a set of questions that I want to ask you. They are in again, true Kejo style, rapid fire questions. They're going to be rapid and you need to make sure they're full of fire whenever you answer back. And, uh, and they aren't very controversial questions. They are more so cerebral and deep. So whenever you're ready, I'm going to fire these questions at you. Sounds scary to me, actually. <laughs> no, I promise it'll be fun. I promise. Let's go for it. Okay. So the first one is, which speciality did you set out to specialize in when you started medical school? Oh, neurosurgery. Okay, I sort of now know the answers because I've had this long chat. Which country sits on top of your bucket list to travel? Oh, Philippines. If you could play a character in a movie or TV series, who would you be? Spider-Man. All right. Which Spider-Man though? Do you have a preference? Uh, uh, no preference as such. I just want to be casted in Spider-Man movie. <laughs> All right. Okay. What does a free or off day in Sean's life look like? Being in bed most of the times with my phones and gadgets. If you could recommend one book, you've said that you've got a lot of books in the backdrop and you love reading books. So which book would you recommend that I must read? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Ah, uh, it's been on my list for so many years. Okay, I need to get hold of it. Okay. If you were a product, what would your tagline be? Sare jahan se achha. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sare jahan se achha. Yeah. I'm a product, I should be the best, right? Okay, now I get it. I thought that why are you singing the song? Okay, fine. Makes sense now. I was like, why are you being patriotic suddenly? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Fine. Makes sense. Oh, I shouldn't be talking so much. Okay. When you were younger, whose poster would I find on your walls? Oh, Harry Potter. Oh, really? Oh, you're a Potterhead like me. Yay. Okay. Which TV series are you currently watching? Law School, a Korean series. 
I'm going to list five things and you need to rank the following in order of your preference. Job satisfaction, active social life, financial independence, healthy mind and body, supportive partner. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, supportive partner. That's mm -hmm. the first. Having a financial stability. That's mm -hmm. the second. Job satisfaction. Um, I think then is the mental piece. Mm -hmm. And what's the last one? Active social life. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. React to the following in one word. Productivity. Half an hour, making sure that you get the job done. All right. Work-life balance. Work-life balance. The best in the UK. Social media. The more you have, the less it is. One final question. If you weren't a doctor, what do you think you would be doing? If you weren't an engineer either, I have to phrase that for you as well. So if you weren't a doctor or an engineer, what do you think you would be doing? Um, pilot. Oh, wow. So that brings us to the end of today's episode of Mapped Out with Monisha. And thank you so much, Sean, for taking the time out. Any final words that you have got to say to anyone? So first of all, thank you, Monisha, for having me. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to be on your show. The only piece of advice that do I do have is it's related because I have been through a lot and I have a lot of obstacles that I've overcome. I think some of the most difficult and stressful moments of our lives also end up being the most formative and the motivating in future. And that is what we need to take from every obstacle or a roadblock that we come across to make sure that we derive some meaning to it and we give it a new direction to move forward. Very wisely said, Sean. Thank you so much. And I'm going to leave down below all the links for Sean's social media pages and the interview he's done with Dr. Rajat Nanahemad and Plab to NHS as well. So I'm going to leave all those links down below. And if you enjoyed this video, then do give it a big thumbs up. And if you haven't subscribed, then please do subscribe. So bye to everyone. Bye. bye. And I'll see you in the next video. Bye. Okay, so this brings us to the end of today's episode of Mapped Out with Monisha. I hope you've enjoyed today's video. It's been quite eye-opening for me at least. If you have any other recommendations of who I should be reaching out to to basically feature them in this podcast of mine, a video podcast of mine, then do drop it down in the comment section below. And if you enjoyed the video, then you know the drill. And comment down below which was your favorite part or if you have any questions you want to ask Sean and maybe I will compile all of them and send it to him. And look after yourself and your loved ones and take care and I'll see you in the next video. Bye. Mwah.